Welcome to the Jack Michaels Show. Derek Cancer, Brad Anderson in for Jack today. He's got uh, a couple days off here, and then he's going to be heading to Youngstown State as UND will be taking on Youngstown. Yeah, just getting all the promos together. We are right in the thick of it. October sports is here. It's uh, it's everything. Post-season. Well, we got we got hockey. Yep. Postseason baseball. I flipped over to Bally Sports Extra, and there's the Wolves on. And yep. So a little bit of wild a, start next. Well, I got exhibition play, but it starts for real a week from tomorrow. Bonkers. Yep. So we'll, <laughs> I mean, actually, just, we'll have that here on the yes. fan. So you'll have Thursday night football that night, and we'll have the uh, Wild here, and you now of course the Wild and the Wolves will. Uh, we'll be on here and KFGO. We'll kind of mix and match over right. the course of the year and uh, go with that. So, Well, of course, you know, Thursday night features Game on Hockey with the uh, new analyst for UND Hockey, Travis Dunn, who's been doing Around the Rink for a long time here, Saturday mornings on 7 for the Fan, and then Game on Hockey with he and Scott Taylor Thursday nights 5.30 to 6.30 over on KFGO, and that'll be right before Thursday night football until the football season ends, and we'll probably adjust the schedule a little mm-hmm. bit after yep. that. But it is kind of a nice little mixture of uh, getting him in. And by the way, Travis uh, did a great job. What a natural fit. You know, the former UND national champion, yes. part of the 1980 team, and then just knows the game so well. A great compliment to the living, living legend with Tim <laughs> Hennessy. So it, it really a lot of fun. And Hennessy on hockey, by the way, 6.30 on KFGO tonight as well. So, yeah, it's a busy week ahead with a lot of college football. Of course, the big story around here, and I think there's a lot of mixed emotions about it. Last night, Aaron Judge broke the American League record, uh, surpassing Roger Maris number 62 last night. And I still think a lot of people feel it's the real record because of all the shenanigans with Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, and Barry Bonds. But uh, that is the case right now, and it's uh, it was a cool thing to see. And to a really classy guy... I think a topic I was thinking about, mm-hmm. teams that you can't stand, but, man, you certainly like that player. And that's my case with Aaron Judge. He's just hard to dislike. You know, and I go back to the Yankees teams, like the 98 team mm-hmm. and the, that group. That was a Yankees team that I just liked the way they did things. Bernie Williams and Paul O'Neill and, and Tino Martinez and guys. like I just That was a group that, I mean, even though they were the Yankees, it's like, you know what? I got to tip my cap to right. them. I like the way how they do things, and yeah, and it was. I, I kind of felt that way about the Patriots for a while, and then you kind of learn some of the things about you hear some of the things about Belichick, and then you kind of get a little bit of a, a distaste. Well, I think with any team that America falls in love with, they get sick of if they're too good, right? I think the they sto- win too much, right? I would say the Braves fell into that in the 90s, right? Where they were the. I think everyone outside of the Upper Midwest was pulling for the Braves in 1991. Because they were on TBS all those years. Yep. They were bad on TBS many of those years. <laughs> yes, they, were. they went from worst to first. And I think everyone got caught up in the Tomahawk Chop. I remember them doing it on Saturday Night Live. And I'm like, hey, what about our team? But yep. people were caught up on, 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 in it. And I totally get it, right? We've had those fascinations. There's not a bigger bandwagon team ever, ever than the 1985 Bears. Right? I mean, I think everyone outside of New England, they just got caught up in the circus that was the 1985 Bears, including division rivals like... Minnesota Vikings, it was hard not to get caught up in it. And I always respected Walter Payton, even right. though he ate the Vikings up alive along mm-hmm. with the Lutter. Yep. How did you not like him? Well, there was such a – that team was – because he had the fridge and yes. Ditka was crazy and Jim McMahon was crazy. And it just had – it was just a – it had to be just a Well, and that defense was so show. good. The defense was phenomenal. It was funny. You talk about the Braves and, and growing up, you know, I've been a Twins fan, but I grew up a Braves fan and I was more probably a Braves fan than a Twins fan. Um, up until about the late 80s because they were on TV all the time right. and, and the Twins weren't. You had to listen on the radio. 
and uh, and, and I I still stayed with the Braves through about the late '90s, and it just wasn't. I don't know what it is, but it just wasn't fun for me anymore mm-hmm. to cheer for them because they weren't on TV as much. Well, they underachieved a lot too. And there right? was some of that. It just it just kind of became kind of the same. I mean, it kind of became the same old, same old, and it got kind of got kind of stale, and it just hasn't been the same. I did find them cheering cheering for them last year just because it was such a fun run, and Eddie Rosario played so well for them. And, well, and Freddie Freeman's a, a guy that's hard to dislike too, right? And it's too bad he didn't stay there. And I think in his world, it's too bad he didn't stay there too. But I I think he was a guy that I think a lot of Americans liked. And I think I would say another team that kind of got old and people really, once the Red Sox broke the curse of the Bambino, I think that we turned on them in a pretty quick hurry. You know, I I, I remember saying that on social media one time. For me, I said, you know, this is the Red Sox weren't, uh, they're not as despicable as the Yankees, but they are gaining ground yes. on them very fast. One hundred percent, right? Throughout the, well, I just think the city of Boston, ever since the turn of the century, has been an embarrassment of riches. I mean, they, there's not been a, a more successful sports market in the turn of That's the century. Right up there, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, they got a Stanley Cup, they got an NBA championship, they got multiple Super Bowls and World Series. I mean, yeah. that is. There's no other town like that. It's crazy. And certainly not where we live right now, that is for sure. <laughs> it seems like it's getting worse. Here. <laughs> yes, for sure. Um, so we can chat a little bit about that. If you want to join us, 237-3767, and uh, we can talk a little bit about Aaron Judge and your thoughts on it. I think for a lot of people, they would have liked to maybe seen it sit at 61, and I totally understand that. Um, it does look like Luis Arise is not going to play, and... Is Judge going to play? And that's the other thing. So you think you'd almost want to to see if he can go three for four and you know maybe make it a little bit closer. It's going to be awfully tough to do if Arise is not going to go over. So I mean that's and there's a little controversy around it. When we talked to Dick Bramer yesterday, it certainly sounded like it's a legit injury, right? Like this has been nagging him. Yeah, for it's a kind time. of been bugging him for a while. And but it's yeah. just it's a tough look, right? I mean, it, it is it, a bad look. You go back to the Allen Anderson. Years ago, passed on his last start so he could win the ERA title, and and uh, was some even on his own team that uh, uh, didn't look real highly upon. Yeah, him. I mean it's just it's one of those things. Go earn it, right? And right. But I think if he is legitimately hurt, and I think for a lot of people, oh, we went out and played like this or whatever. It's just one of those things where he's just not going to be able to do it. So that'll be something to watch today. I think that's the one thing that we and we will have Twins baseball here on. 7:40, the fan. I believe 2:30. 2:30 is the pregame. Yeah. 3:10 first pitch, and then we'll put the uh, we'll put the season to bed. Yes, painfully. That's the old uh, Green Day thing. Wake me up when September ends, <laughs> and that's kind of what uh, the theme was for uh, September for the Minnesota Twins I'll when the wheels it. came off. Um, and this is a question that's been brought up, and I see some of the Twins bloggers and beat writers. Are they? Were they the team that was up till about what? Early to mid August. Was that the true Twins team? Or was it this this stretch, this like forty question. game stretch? Now was that the true Twins team, or do you kind of sandwich them in the middle and say they were a little bit of both? Yeah, I think you almost have to, right? I mean, because well, when people were healthy, it was just a different. It, it, this team, their best players often injured. I mean, it's just all there is to it, mm-hmm. and, and I don't know how you go. Where do you go with that? I, I don't. I don't know what more to say about it. It's the. It's. They built this team for Byron Buxton to be the straw that stirs the drink, and they just can't do it because he's never healthy. The straw's broken, about yeah, all six, the time, forty to fifty percent of the time. It is. Yes. Ju- it's really a shame because he adds such a different dynamic to this lineup when he is in there. I think Carlos Correa would tell you the same thing, right? I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that 
when he was struggling up until the last month of the season that I'm sure he liked that little bit of that protection in the mm-hmm. lineup and things you know when you had a rise in him and in Buxton and Correa in there that was a pretty good way to start hey, off the game yeah Jose Miranda I think has proven that sure uh, I, I think Sano was expendable anyway but I think now he's really expendable now I think you just have a question is do you, is Miranda a first baseman? Is he a DH? Does he do kind of half and half? I think that's the question that they need to, uh, I think, try and resolve here for next spring is where do you put him? I'd love to see him get Urshela back. I think he was he was steady, not maybe always spectacular, but he got the job done. I still think catching is a, a spot that doesn't Huge get a spot. lot of a lot of attention. If, you know whether you what you do with Sanchez is Ryan Jeffries. A number one catcher, you know, is he a guy that can play 100 to 100 to 120 games and be productive? Um, do maybe just find an old veteran backup and try to go that way. I mean, I just I, I think that that's a, a uh, position that not a lot of people are talking about that follow the Twins. No, it's a very good point, and you need. I mean, you talk to anyone how important the battery is, right? I mean, having that guy, you ideally want a catcher who's going to play, who's going to catch for what four of the starters, and one guy comes in and spells you for that fifth, right? right? I mean, that's kind of how it goes, and I, I've never really minded that. I think it's always worked when you had, like, the Junior Ortiz thing for Scott Erickson. Mike Redmond. Yeah. yeah Twins have always been able to find good old beat-up catchers. Mm-hmm. And Henry Blanco for a year, yes. Yes. Well, Henry Blanco, was, that was a big pickup, especially in the early part when he got hot right when Mauer got hurt that well, one Well, yeah, year. That, was, that was Mauer's rookie year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I don't think he was intended to play whatever it was, 110 games, but uh, he, was, uh, he was a godsend that year. Yeah, no question. So we can certainly talk about the wrap-up of the Twins season, if you'd like. Um, big talk around the region about uh, West Fargo Cheyenne not going to the state tournament, and I, I, I certainly don't think we should bury the lead here. It's an unfortunate thing. I'm, I'm guessing there's people who had sleepless nights the last couple of nights who are in the administration, you know, the athletic director, the coaches, and what have you as far as how this could happen because your high school experiences are only happen once, right? So these seniors, I mean, this is it. This is what they're going to remember. And 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 I I feel bad for the kids who are not at fault, right? I mean that that's the that's no. the hardest thing for the the other teammates on it, and for the poor kid who this just got by. I I feel bad for this person because he's going to live with this the rest of his life, mm-hmm. and his teammates are going to you know. To have to go out that way is really, really hard for you. Don't, maybe you can give the summary of it because you've been following a little bit closer. Well, than I yeah, am. the uh, story came out yesterday morning, but apparently um, Cheyenne High School reported to uh, internally and to the High School Activities Association that uh, they discovered an ineligible student had been playing on the team throughout the season. So, and they were going to be the number. T- uh, they don't do an EDC postseason tournament. They just take the top four during the regular season and seed the one, two, three, and four for the state tournament. State starts tomorrow at uh, West Fargo High School. I'm um, going to be over there for a little bit uh, tomorrow. And so because of that, uh, since the ineligible student played, all the matches where they played and where they won have to be forfeited. So technically they're going to end their season. I think it's 0-14. Yeah. So um, – and I I was not able to get over to the press conference yesterday, but uh, you know they I know Logan Minthun, who I've known for a long time. He's the uh, athletic director. He's the overall. That's the other thing now. With they have the kind of the same model that Fargo does, where you have the overall AD, yep. and then you have what they call activity. I think it's coordinators is the title in each building. So one in Horace, one in Cheyenne, one in West Fargo, and I think that's where a lot of people look at this and go. 
Is that a workable formula? It, one, is it workable? And we basically provide you kind of an extra layer for something like this. And how does this, how does this not get detected? I mean, we, I mean, the soccer season starts before school starts, basically. Um, so seven, eight weeks, probably. Yep. How does this slip? I mean, how does this happen? Yeah, it's hard to know. And and obviously, with some privacy things, we don't know the details. Is and it? We, and we probably never will. Yeah. Is it academics? Is it a s- situation where you know there was uh, there weren't enough credits, so this person actually had a fifth year? I've seen that happen in sports age, many times. Age, maybe. Yeah. Thanks. Right. Where yeah. maybe it's a twenty-year-old person mm-hmm. who's playing. If it, the age limit is nineteen, which we don't always know. I mean, I, I don't know what North Dakota is. I think it's nineteen. It is ni- you can play at nineteen. Yeah, and nineteen in Minnesota too. At least it was way back when. I don't know if that's changed at all. Which is an interesting thing, and, and I'm I'm, tr- I'm trying not to be, you know, throw out any stereotypes. But we have a lot of people who have you know come in and. We have a lot of new Americans, and so that I'm mean, just throwing that out, out as a possibility, right? Where they're trying to learn the language. I mean, I I went to school with someone who's a couple years older than us for that very reason, you know, because they came over and it was just for them to come in at fifth grade and have to learn a whole new language was quite a deal for them, and 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 so for, those are the type of things, and and so this could be a multiple multiple layers on how this person might have been uh, ineligible and then played, and that's it's really. It's an unfortunate story, and, and I'm sure Han- Shanley's very happy. But I'm sure they're kind of, oh man, you know, it's, it's one of those things. So. Yep, yeah, you know, Shanley takes their spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shanley will be the three seed, and then uh, Red River is um, is four for the uh, for the tournament tomorrow. Yeah, they have the four quarterfinals going on there. And you know, you go back a couple years ago, uh, you might recall Cheyenne. Um, the format was the COVID year was different, so they did the quarterfinals on a Tuesday. Cheyenne won, and then it came out that uh, they had a COVID outbreak. So they had to, the the JV team was out there playing the semifinals and they ended up getting beaten. Ended up, I think, placing fourth. So that's uh, two out of three years now. That uh, little setback in the in, in a program that has gotten to be honestly a pretty solid program in the ADC right. for uh, for soccer. So just you know, you just certainly hope that uh, you know long term this doesn't uh, you know there's any repercussions or anything you know affects long term. Certainly hope not. And uh, yeah, I, I'm just I still just scratch my head though. I just I mean I because. I that happened. I know science football a few years ago. They had an ineligible player there, or it wasn't so much he was ineligible. They just didn't get his information to the NJCAA. Sure. And then he played, and it cost him I think two or three wins a few years ago. And I've seen it happen with high school too. You got a kid that maybe was ineligible that played, and and I mean it usually gets caught fairly quick. And yeah. that's why I just. But you made a good point. You know. To try to be an athletic director or an activities coordinator in a school that size, you know, it's hard enough to do it in a, in a you know, in, in the bar. Well, that job is such a delegation thing, yes. right? It, yep, At right. that level? Yeah, because you're kind of, in a way, you're kind of the CEO of the athletic department. Yeah, and it would be know, hard right. to oversee all that. And, yeah, I mean, I think the small town thing is worse. Trying to chase down referees is the toughest job for them. Yes. And then gym space and all that. I mean, it's got to be the most thankless job in the school. It really – because it is – there's so much responsibility. Well, how many years ago was it now? Ten years ago where they they got miscommunication with the referees for a football game so that they didn't start until 9 o'clock once another game got over it. One time down in the Twin Cities, I think. Well, that, if, you, if you look on the Metro schedules once in a while, Derek, that you see that there's – a lot of games being, or actually, it's a lot of games, but a handful of games being played on Thursday. Many of them. Yep. yep. So it's basically, or even even a, a stray Saturday one from time yep. to time. So, uh, but that's why it's just officials, and I, I think it's worse down in the metro than it is. I mean, it's a tough problem here, and I know like during the summer, 
in all levels of baseball, um, it's the same way. You get uh, you get a, the, the umpires you have are getting. They can pretty much kind of rate their ticket, basically. But right. it gets to be a lot of responsibility for them. But it's um, uh, it's yeah, it's, it's a thankless job, and you're is, not getting rich it doing it, and no. you're you're away from your family a lot, and it's it's a it's a tough deal. You got to do it. Sure. You got to love it to do it. Mm-hmm. That is for sure. And thank goodness that they do. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because for the ones that do it, and I guess they most of them do a pretty good job. Thank you. God so, bless you. Yeah, yep, that's for sure. That's for sure. So we got Steve. Uh, Steve Lockway is going to join us yep. here. Talk some Dragon football, and I, you know, they're they're one and four, but I think they're better than that one and four record would show you. Well, the NSIC is a grind. Well, My you look heavens. at uh, the the four losses, and I think they combine. I was trying to figure it out here. I think the combined record of those teams was Sioux Falls, Augie, Winona, and Duluth, I think is like 16 and 3 or something like yeah. that. So I was figuring it out here. Uh, I think it's, yeah, 16 and 3, I think. So they got Minot State uh, coming up here this week. I believe it's homecoming. And uh, it'll be coming up noon kickoff. But they've got two more at, uh, back-to-back here at home with, uh, with uh, the Beavers, Minot and Bemidji here in the next couple of weeks. So All right. So. We, can, uh, yeah, we can come back to some of these topics here a little later on in the uh, in the show. So. All right, we will do that. Brad Anderson, I'm Derek Hansen, in for Jack Michaels, who has a couple days off before he hits the road. As UND takes on Youngstown State, another busy weekend in college football at every level. So we'll touch on that, including NSIC action, as we just mentioned. This is the Jack Michael Show on 740 The Fan. Welcome back. Jack Michael Show, Derek Hanson, Brad Anderson with you. That coach of the MSUM Dragons, Steve Lockway with us. Coach, how the heck you been? Well, I've been solid. Uh, new week, right? This, yep. Um, Bearing last week and getting better and hoping hoping that we get on the right side of the wind column this week. Well, as we said to you earlier this year, there's uh, there's no gimmies in your league, and that's what it comes down to. No, it, it really is. Week in and week out, you got to be on point. And I think um, you know what our, our our offense in particular is young. Our team as a whole is young, and I think we finally got our feet underneath us and had some things that we could start building off of last week and. You know, we dug our dug a hole too early, but then started digging ourselves out of it and got momentum and life. And I think, you know what, so far this week, I feel like our guys have been building off of that and looking forward to continue to take that momentum into Saturday. You were one and four, but I was looking at the four teams you've lost to. I think a combined record, 16 and three. So, uh, I mean, it, you, you look at the schedule, I don't want to say it maybe eases up, but you got a few more games at home here. And you, you kind of feel like maybe the, the toughest part of your schedule is out of the way? Well, I don't I don't know. It seems like every single week is tough in the league. And, you know, certainly you don't take anything for granted or anything like that. So we have had a tough road uh, at the beginning. I think that's a, you know, perfect storm in sense of bad combination of being super young and then uh, having a real uh, tough schedule right out the gate. And you know what? We, we got knocked on the mat early in the first couple weeks. And I think now some guys are understanding what it takes to, to win at this level, play in at this level and compete week in and week out. And so I do think that, We've gotten better, and you can see that as you're looking over kind of our last five games of how much better, cleaner, crisper we are on some things. Uh, in particular, I think on offense, as that offensive line starting to starting to grow up a little bit. But uh, a huge game for a young man, Velva Sawyer area up uh, north central North Dakota. Gage Florence ends up with 16 catches. That uh, uh, ties the school record. It was just one of those things where he's you know he just got open. You fed him the ball. Was it? it I guess explain, but I mean, it ended up being a huge game and it helped you, uh, helped you get back into the game. Yeah, it was, and you know, not just 16 catches, you know, where it was, none of them were those little uh, toss in front of you, like uh, jet sweep type things that count as catches. They're legitimate catch and throw and run. And, and I think what really was impressive was that Gage was able to find some windows 
in small space and turn maybe a five yard pass into seven, eight, 12 yards. Um, obviously he had a couple big ones. The big one on a touchdown was a, a route that he had set up and kind of double moved the guy and, and Jack hit him in stride and he outran everybody. And so that was good. And you know what? Yeah. I've been around when, when Damon Gibson was here and he was an all American and had 90 plus catches that one season, he had a game where he went for 15 catches and it was, it was noticeable in game. You're like, Oh my gosh, this guy is, racking up catches and Gage though was was kind of quiet and spread it out throughout the game and I didn't know he had 16 catches until the bus ride home and someone said that and I was like oh that's quite a deal and so um you know good for him for quietly doing it and hopefully he can keep continuing on that track I think he's you know if you look in the in the conference there's some really good wide receivers um you know small Americans that have returned and and he's right up there in in the conference lead with catches so hopefully he keeps that season rolling. Having two games at home in a row, I mean, just kind of settling the waters, having some consistency there. Does that are you kind of looking for that to hopefully get you guys right here? I think for sure, being at home is always a good thing. There's a little bit, you know, easier task of generating energy and momentum because you got people behind you and cheering for you. And you know, our crowds have been phenomenal. I think the the crew puts on a great production of you know between quarter breaks and all those promotions and those things going on. So I think it's a great family atmosphere that people like going to and that energy kind of feeds into the team. And, and I think when you're young, you definitely want to be in a situation where things are familiar, right? The locker room situation is familiar. We know the routine when we're going out there and all those things. And so any of those distractions or, or stressors that you can take off of the plate of your of the players is always something you're trying to do as a coach. And this naturally does some of those for us. In special teams, you've been able to get uh, a young man out of uh, Northern Cass, watching him in high school a few times. Colby Vanderwall ends up blocking a punt. that uh, He's had two uh, re- uh, special teams touchdowns this year, but uh, your special teams came up and uh, kept, you, kept you in the ballgame late. Yeah, Col- Colby's returned two uh, punt blocks for touchdowns, and that's been uh, phenomenal. And Mikhail Pearson got a, got a block also, a true freshman out of DGF. So a couple local guys got got in on the special team situation and, um, you know, Colby two and two and one season returning, uh, Adam Kallenbach actually got the block for him and then Kobe scooped and scored. And so I, I think, you know, when you look at it, none of, none of the players on our team, right. Besides our kickers and punters are, are on our team as recruited special teamers. Everybody else came here to be a position player and, you know, special teams is what you do for the good of the group. And I think that's the, that's kind of your litmus test of the culture of your program. And, and I think our guys have bought into the program. They bought into the team. They bought into special teams. And you can see that we're, we're making a difference in that area. I think we've had four or five block kicks, um, four of them that I believe are punt blocks. And so that unit's getting after it. They take it seriously. There's drill work that we do consistently week in and week out that's focusing on getting, getting around a block and then getting your hands to the block point. And I think, um, Guys, you take that seriously, and it's starting to show, and it did keep us in the game last week. You know, I look at uh, – you mentioned recruiting. I think it's so interesting in, in the spot that you're in right now because you had a limited amount of scholarships. With so many teams in the NSIC, you guys, I'm sure, are stepping each, across each other's toes all the time in the recruiting trail. You're trying to sell the same product, right? And I think that's why, you know, people ask me, what do you, what do you think of the Dragons and, you know, some other teams? I graduated from Bemidji State, and I said – hey, man, they're all trying to get better. That's what makes it tough because you're really going after the same type of kid, right, who's maybe not going to get to the FCS but uh, you know, certainly wants to have that scholarship or partial of it. I mean, it recruiting's got to be pretty tough at your level. You know, I think the thing that, that it is is recruiting is 
at least for us, very, very regional, very local. And so when you have a lot of schools in that same area, there's a lot of people trying to find those same guys in those, in those boundaries. Uh, you know, it's, we're not nationally recruiting like at the, the highest level of college football. It is regional and our team kind of reflects the, the people of this area. And so I think um, when you look at it, you're trying to find how do you, how do you separate yourself that it's not the same product, right? We're all, we're all playing football. We're all getting a four-year degree. We're all playing on a turf field. Yeah, but what is it about the experience that makes it different? And those are the things that we try and really highlight, the experience that they're going to have uh, team chemistry-wise, bond building, and then the experience that they're going to get being trained for more than football. How, how are we going to take the lessons from football, apply it to life, train them with relational skills, motivational skills, leadership skills, so that when the game of football is done, they walk out of here and go, all right, now I'm go re- ready to go win the real game that matters in the big picture. You got a redshirt freshman. Uh, I guess you've had a made a change at quarterback, but uh, redshirt freshman and Jack Strand, uh, 30 completions last week. How has he progressed uh, in the last uh, couple of weeks starting? Yeah, Jack, Jack had a couple starts here this last two weeks, and, uh, you know, I thought that game one against Winona that he was in, he, the game moved quickly on him, but he stayed poised and, and, and eventually got into rhythm, I think. This Duluth game, he, he looked a lot more comfortable. He was getting through his progression reads quicker in the pocket, getting the ball out of his hand. And, and for a guy that's a true freshman, basically been on campus for a couple months here, you know what, to be able to step in and do what he did, 30 out of 40 against a really good defense last week was impressive. And, you know, you look at 10 incompletions. Well, three were drops, two were just missed off the fingertips on deep, deep passes. He got one batted down at the line of scrimmage. And, you know, the one interception we have, the defense jumps off sides. We snap the ball when they're in the neutral zone or what we interpreted as the neutral zone. We don't get a flag. And, you know, he threw it up, taking a shot, thinking we had a free play, and, you know, we didn't. And so he took care of the ball. He put it where it needed to be and, and gave us a shot to win. So hopefully he can keep doing that again this week. When you look at uh, just around the league, uh, what a grind it is and just the status of Division Two football, as I mentioned before, it's – I don't think there's any doubt that the uh, NSICs can be well represented. It, it's, but it's a grind to get in that postseason too, isn't it? Well, without a doubt, and, and I think um, you know the parity is is really squished together. You know, you, you look at the years where there was kind of this huge gap at the top, and then there's kind of this next group. I think everyone's kind of lumping together close to that top group, and there's not a lot of difference between top and bottom anymore. And, and I think that's what makes it competitive and I think it's going to be really tough as you go through year in and year out now to, to have an undefeated team, to have the, the one-loss teams. I think we're, we're kind of beating each other up week in and week out. And, you know, the league champ now might have two losses, where in the past we had, we had a 10-1 and football team that doesn't make the playoffs. And so um, as, the, as the league has gotten smaller, it's really become more competitive. And you know what? You're, you're not out of it until, the, until that last game because there's crazy things that can happen. Minot State coming up this week. They, uh, I believe, are 0-5 winless. Uh, scouting report on the Beavers for Saturday. Well, they play, they've had a tough draw of schedule. We've played a lot of the same teams also. And so when you look at it, and not very young team that's, that's in some spots trying to get their footing too. I think they do a lot of things offensively that can, can cross your wires and trip you up. And then the next thing you know, they've got an explosive play and they move the ball or score a touchdown. And so defensively, it's going to have to be one of those things where We've got great eyes. We've got great communication that nothing can get beyond us. And then defensively, they're athletic on the back end of the, the defensive backs and the, 
and the D line is big. And so when, when you've got a young offensive line with two true freshmen out there and, and a couple of redshirt freshmen, you're, you know what, you, you don't want a big off defensive line that's uh, getting in your backfield any faster than, than they need to be. So we're going to have to make sure that our pad level is good too. I hate playing teams that haven't won a game. <laughs> that's, a, that's always scary, isn't it? Because you know they're hungry. Well, absolutely. You know, and I, but I think every team's hungry, right? We're, we're hungry, they're hungry. Um, and, and it's really, I think, of the, that's where the start is so important. And been around teams that, you know, that have started poorly or had to rebuild or whatever. And, and if you can start well and stay in things early, the confidence really grows and you start to believe. And, and part of the reason that, teams maybe aren't as successful is because it doesn't go well and they can't handle that that adversity, that, that willingness to keep fighting back. And I think that's something that we showed last week. We're down twenty two nothing and we and we come back and we cut it to within seven points and, and we're in business with fourteen minutes to go in the game and, and so we've got to make sure we start well and, and if we don't that we're able to push ourselves out of a low. And I think last week hopefully was a turning point of understanding Lows are not the end. Lows are just part of the ride. It's part of the journey. It's like a roller coaster. You got to go down to be able to go up and and enjoy the highs of it all. So, um, you know what? We got to start well. The noon kickoff on Saturday. Uh, Steve Lockway, head coach of the MSUM Dragons, uh, appreciate it and uh, best of luck on uh, on Saturday against Minot State. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Appreciate it. Uh, we'll come back with more. We've got the fans' finest coming up here. Is- Got uh, winners and honorees in golf and football that'll be coming up here. That's brought to you by Cass Clay Creamery. Coming up and much more here. Jack Michael Show, Jack Off Today, Derek and Brad here on The Fan. We'll be right back. You guys, best friend club, you, fella, number one. Here's where you find out who your real friends are. You know what? I'll hit you guys up on Facebook. For the best info and occasional free stuff. Like 740 The Fan on Facebook. It is time for the fans finest. It is presented by Cass Clay Creamery. And for this week, it's a little bit of golf and a little bit of football. Congrats out to Fargo Davies freshman Rose Solberg. She won the individual championship at the state class A girls golf tournament that being held in Jamestown. Solberg was in third place after day one, shot a three over par 75 in day one, came back on day two on Tuesday, was two over on the front nine, including bogeys on eight and nine, but settled down to the back nine getting birdies on number 11 and also hole 14 and part out the rest of the way. The final four holes to finish one under for the back nine, 73 one over for her second round, and that was enough for a two-day total of 148. Solberg finished one shot ahead of Jan Gruby of Red River at a two-day total of 149. Leah Herbal of Bismarck Century was at 150. Congrats to Rose Solberg, state Class A girls golf champion from Fargo-Davies. Out of football, it was a big night for the Kindred Vikings and senior running back and tailback Trey Heinrich on Friday night as the Vikings remained unbeaten, a 28-0 win over arch-rival Central Cass. His game started as he blocked a field goal in Central Cass's opening series, but he was far from done. He had a 16-yard touchdown run in the second quarter and TD runs of 1-8-90 and 90 in the third, also intercepted a pass in the second half as well, running 27 times for 200 yards that blocked field goal and also an interception on defense. What a night for senior Trey Heinrich and the Kindred Vikings. That is this week's Fans Finest. It is presented by Cass Clay Creamery. A final segment of the Jack Michael Show. Derek Hansen, Brad Anderson in. If you want to join us, 237-3767. He texts us at 35270. Uh, a few things to get to. Uh, we talked a little bit about the Twins, the wrap-up of the season there. I know, that, Brad, you were mentioning something Lavelle, you'll need. Laval Enil the third. Well, 
Lavelle had, I was just looking here in the break, five moves the Twins need to make before opening day 2023. Number one, make changes to the medical and performance staff. Mm, I yes. would uh, I would agree. I think there needs to be, whether you, you change staff members or there just needs to be a organization-wide just need to have a plan. Well, and it's interesting because, you know, the Vikings more or less did that this offseason with, uh, you know, Eric Sugarman, who I know Paul Allen is friends with. But there's a lot of criticism from some players on how that was going. And and so I think that is one thing that maybe could be uh, brought up and maybe something that they'll look at. And, uh, no, I mean, with as many injuries as there are with the Minnesota Twins, it's hard not to wonder what's going on there, right? And we've been through this before. I think this happened once in the early 2000s with a lot of injuries, too. They kind of looked at uh, changing that up a little bit. Yes, that's true. Number two, restructure the bullpen. And I would you have been a uh, – a, uh, or I would say proponent of this for pretty much all season long. Yeah, even if you're not replacing guys, just get it. I'm sorry, Rocco, this we don't really have a closer thing is a farce, and it just doesn't John work. John Duran needs to be the closer. He needs to be the guy. I mean, yep. just, there's and no getting around. Have, a guy Jorge, throws 100. have Jorge Lopez, yes. as, as, uh, as Lobble says in here, he says Jorge Lopez should be closer 1A available when Duran needs Well, a he should be LaTroy Hawkins and Eddie Guardado Thank is you. What, what he should be. Yes. Yep. Uh, Griffin Jacks has been fine. Trevor McGill kind of been up and down, but I think yep. he has some promise. Caleb Thielbar is another story. I know Corey Provis has said this. They don't talk about that story enough. Yep. A uh, guy that was going to be a, you know, thought he was out of baseball. He was going to be the pitching coach for the Jackrabbits, mm-hmm. and he has come back. Uh, Jorge Alcala, a guy that I've been really high on, who pretty much was a lost season this year. They just, I, you maybe need one more piece. For sure. But yep. uh, you just need to have some semblance of order out there. Yep. Number three, find another Wes Johnson. Uh, no, they're going to have to find a pitching good, coach, yep, that's for sure. Yep. We'll see if they go with a veteran guy or go the, the different route like they did with Wes. Lock up Luis Arise, buy out the final two arbitration years, and sign him to a long-term deal. Which would make sense. Mm-hmm. I think if you no did this now, I, I think you could get him at a reasonable price. And number five, the low-hanging fruit from Lavelle, continue the never-ending quest for an ace. Yes. That is a... That is a you know, and who I, I haven't looked at actually who's out there, but yeah, that's the thing. I mean, right? And you're right. you're looking for the guy who's going to anchor that lineup with being the stopper when you're flipping that rotation over for five or six pitchers in a row. That is a, a very good point. And I think you know you bring up the catching thing. I think that's important. And you know, Carlos Correa, I think he's gone. But I mean, I, I do too. But I, if he's hanging around in January or February, I'd have no problem bringing him back. No, I mean, if he's not going to exercise the option, well, then you might as well bring him back. Speaking of people who might be gone, how did the New York bleep and Yankees not lock up the guy who just broke the home run record? I mean, how does this how does this be a story all year? Boy, how much money is that going to cost them? Well, plenty, but they got plenty. I mean, who's why would you let anyone outbid them? You want him to go up north to New England? I mean, because uh, him and the Green Monster 81 games a year would oh be a little frightening, right? Yep. You got to face him 14, 15 times no, a year. No, thank you. No, nope. no, you don't want to do that. So, And if you're Boston, I know they kind of went on a cost-cutting spin, but just for the the whole joy of getting him to go across, go up north would be a little fun for them. All right. Uh, um, so, but... Boy, I'd hate to see him go get lost out in the West Coast somewhere too, you know, because he's been a good face of baseball. He really has been this year. Yep. But man, that's 
It's just weird that they would let that get to that point. But after watching the captain with Derek Jeter, I guess we shouldn't be surprised. They kind of played with him a little bit. Yeah, too. you don't know. You wonder if you. Yeah, you don't want to. You want to see him do like a rod to Texas, which never felt right. No, never, never. Right. Yeah, that was a weird stop on uh, where he. He should have either been a Mariner the whole time or in New York for most of it yep. because that was pit stop in Texas didn't quite work out. That was when I realized he looked like a cyborg. Is when he was with Texas and he was standing <laughs> by the. Behind the batting cage, I was standing right next to him down at Fort Myers. They were playing a exhibition game against. The light uh, should have come on there. Yeah, I was like, man, that guy. He looks like the Terminator. He because he's about like six three. Mm-hmm, very tall. And he's really put together. He just he looked like you know everything that you'd want to sculpt for a Hollywood actor to play an action movie. And that's and so yeah, that was maybe the little little uh, light bulb going. Boy, this guy just doesn't look right. There's a few others too that I saw that were kind of like that too. So All right, let's uh let's head to the phones and uh, caller you're with us. Uh thanks for calling the Jack Michael show. Hey guys, thanks for taking my call. I just had a couple of um comments or observations, you guys. Um I guess uh the first one I'm I'm kind of it's more like a, an interest. I I would like to see the Yankees and the Dodgers play in the World Series since they had the um historic home run season now with the uh you know, judge breaking Maris's record or whatever, but uh, I guess I don't know who you guys kind of uh, favor or would prefer to see in the World Series now that uh, it's over and done. That you know the Twins are eliminated and you know we're down to Seattle. the brass tacks, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, how about um, you know you guys brought it up kind of sort of already. You know, Judge did the whole thing sort of like Lamar Jackson's doing in football. You know, he quote on bet on himself. You know, turning down the Yankees. Um, you know, turned down the Yankees' offers, and he must. I presume he must have been past arbitration, or you know, that must have um, been expired. You know, for them to mm-hmm. take him to arbitration, I can't. I can't remember. Or no, wait, he got an arbitration ruling to play under a certain amount, but he still didn't sign an extension. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, and they're just they couldn't come to terms. But I mean, I, I just think it's one of those things. It'd be hard to believe that they're not going to figure this out. I mean. Uh, Oh no doubt, point. especially when you especially when you think that what he he almost nipped her eyes for the for the triple crown. Well, yeah, I mean it's it's sitting there right in, I, right in their hands for sure. I, I was gonna say I, I thought I even heard something I don't know in the last twenty four hours where they said like if Arise plays and goes hitless today and Judge gets what like three hits he could still he could still uh, edge ahead of him for that. Yep. Is that sound about right? Yeah, as far as the math is, I see it that's the way it could go. So. Okay, it's worth okay. F- worth for him to play well, one, today. One, one more thing, I guess, with the NBA season coming up here, um, are you guys excited for the Wolves? Because I am. Um, I, I guess I would say I am sort of uh, guardedly, cautiously know, optimistic, optimistic is the term that we like to use. Yes, I th- well, it's hard not to be. I, I don't have a lot right. of faith in D'Angelo Russell being consistent, but the other yep. three guys that we're talking about, mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard not to get well, excited about that. Well, the frustrating thing with I think with what they did, other than what you know, how significant amount they gave up for um, Gobert when, you know, you have to wonder, you want to kind of almost ask that, whatever his name is, new GMVP guy, uh, did you even try, you know, to to leverage against Danny Ainge in Utah with, like, Indiana, say, with that Miles Turner, Buddy Heald thing that they keep talking about with the Lakers? And, and those guys are both, like, three and four years younger than Gobert. But what what I'm kind of frustrated with is that, People are some people are overly optimistic. I think with the Wolves, meaning that uh, the Clippers are getting Kawhi Leonard back, the Pelicans are getting Zion Williamson back, and does anybody, everybody, really think the Lakers are going to perform as bad as they did last year? So my point simply being, 
the Wolves were playing in seven seed last year. I, with those other factors coming in back into play, it seems like they could be again this year, even with the Gobert. So, anyway, you thanks for taking my call, guys. You have a great day. I agree with you wholeheartedly, Will, and I think also the team they lost in the playoffs. I don't think is going to get much worse and. There's still that team in San Francisco that's still pretty good. Yeah, so. I mean, I think realistically, realistically for the Wolves, let's say they win 50, what's it going to get you? <laughs> well, <laughs> top four at the best, right? Yeah, I, I mean, mean say where problem. do you? I mean, realistically, where where would I? You know, do they get a four or five? Is that enough? I mean, because I mean, I don't think you're gonna you're not going to get to the blue bloods of the Western Conference, no. not yet. I mean, I think they're they've got a little more depth, but still, I think. Um, they trade away a lot of depth too. Yeah, I mean, that's part of it, and um, I, I still want Cat. I mean, granted, he's been battling some illness here, but I want him to be a leader on this team. Yep. And I, I think Edwards eventually can be, but you know, you're asking what he with 21, 22 years old to try and fill that role is maybe not uh, not realistic. But he needs at this to point. be the superstar in that team, which is weird to think because they gave Cat yeah. just all that m- much yep. more money. But to, mm-hmm. to me, I think he is the. He's the highlight real factor of that team. I don't think there's any question about that. I do think, you know, when people are talking about trades for whatever, I think Gobert, and this, I think, uh, it's Conley, right? The, Tim Conley that they uh, yes. brought over from, from a Denver that made yep. the deal. Yep. I think it's just Gobert is the perfect guy to bring in for Towns. I mean, this this move was for Towns to be the player that he wants to be because he does not want to stand on the block and be that tough guy in the block. And that's exactly what Gobert is. And Towns will do it when Gobert is not, you know, on the court at times. I don't think there's any question about that, but this is going to let Towns do what he wants to do. And and so this trade was all about him. That That's for sure. Twins have the lineup out. Luis Arise is DHing today. So he is in the leadoff spot. He will play. Um, judge is not scheduled to be in the lineup today. A rise is, a texter says, and I can confirm that. Yeah, it is. A, it's a rise. Urshela, Gordon, Sanchez, Cave, Celestino, Walner, Palacios, and Caleb Hamilton. That that looks like the perfect game 162 lineup. Oh, my right heavens. The Twins. Another yeah. texter says, if a rise is signed long-term, where does he play? Yeah. Good, good question. Well, know. that is the tricky part about him. I mean, <laughs> some at second, some at first. Maybe you DH him some. I think, he, you know, because he's not – Maybe the greatest guy with a glove. That's probably what's going to happen. He's I mean, not right? as bad as first. Ba- I mean, I no. He actually worked better out better than Jose Miranda was a. Bo- he's gotten better, but he's a butcher. So do you pl- platoon those two at first base and uh, that DH? Was, I, that's. I think that's, that's what you got to cr- do. That's, right? that's crazy enough to work. Yeah, that's I mean, possible. <laughs> that's I mean, the only really. thing that they have going with Sano being. Sano just going to go. Home, you know, is he going to go and be like Fat Thor in the, the Last Adventures movie? I mean, seriously, yeah, going back to Puerto Rico. I mean, what else is he going to do? It's just it's such a sad I see story. Him play, I mean, can't you see him playing for the Lake Lake Country Dockhounds well, or somebody yeah, in the right. uh, somebody I mean, in the American Association? It is just so. It's if you're a guy like Kim and you can't catch up to a 95 mile an hour fastball, you're done, right? I mean, there's no mm-hmm. there's no other pl- place for you in the world of Major League Baseball, and. You think about what he did just three years ago, putting the team on his shoulders in key times to get to that American League Central title. That grand slam against Cleveland will live in infamy for me because I know where I was when I saw it and I was yep. with some buddies and what have you. Just to think that that's where we're at now, it's hard to believe. It yep, really like is. I said, of all, the, uh, of all the great moments from that season, that was the one you went, all right, I 
think they got this. Yeah, that's, that's kinda, crazy. That kind of sealed the division. Yeah, for sure. Well, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hopefully, uh, JG will be with us, and we'll talk a little bit about the uh, Gophers off week as they got to sit and eat that Purdue loss for two weeks before they uh, get back in action a week from Saturday. And we'll talk more college football as we get closer and closer to Saturday. Vikings, Bears, all that and much more. For Brad Anderson, I'm Derek Hansen. The Jack Michaels Show here on 740 The Fan. Come on the way.